I do want to tell you a story. I, I told this story sometime in December here at the church, but it has kind of a new ending now, an extended ending to it. And uh, if you were here before, I, I bear with me. But um, in uh, at Thanksgiving this year, we were part of the turkey walk or turkey run, I think they call it. Our son, Wilson, was running in it, you know, a half marathon, I think it was. And um, the rest of our family, including children and daughters-in-law and, and sons and sons-in-law, were all, we wa all walked the, the path. And um, as we were walking along, you know, the whole crowd and a lot of people around, I got separated from the family. And so I'm looking for where, you know, where are they? And I look up there and I think, oh, there's my daughter-in-law, my grandchildren. And so I walk up right behind that buggy. I'm ready to push the buggy for them. And I'm standing there looking around. And from this side, a guy starts walking over. And he's bending down, talking to my granddaughter right here in this buggy right in front of me. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? And why is he coming over here to, you know, to talk to my grandchild? And then I took my eyes from him, and my, I, my eyes went down, and I thought, that's not my grandchild. <laughs> and then I looked to my left, and I thought, that's not my daughter-in-law. And she this mother standing right there working with another child. And I th then I thought, wait a second, he's not the creepy guy. I'm the creepy guy. <laughs> and so I backed away and uh, kind of slid around them and, and caught up with my real family later. But um, here's the ending of the story. My son told me he was listening to that message. He lives in North Carolina. And he had his four-year-old daughter in the car with him. And uh, she, he didn't know she was listening. But when I came to the end of that story as an illustration at the beginning of my message, which they're listening to over the car system, she, she said, Daddy, so that wasn't his kid. And he said, that's right, that's right, Lucy, that wasn't his kid. And then there's a pause, and then she said, but I'm his kid, right? And he said, yeah, you're his kid. Isn't that sweet? But uh, you know, how four-year-olds, how much they can think and, and what they're imagining. And I, just the beauty of family relationships is a wonderful thing, a wonderful gift from God and a wonderful blessing from God. And we're going to read a passage here about Jesus and some interaction with his family that I think is very instructive for us today. But before we do that, uh, as I was preparing this message, I, um, the, the, there was a part of the movie Saving Private Ryan that came to my mind. How many of you have seen that movie? Okay, great movie. Man, that's a powerful, emotional, very intense opening. But... Um, in the movie, there's a, a, a young guy, Private Ryan, and Ryan had, I think it was three brothers that had all just been killed in the war, this World War II uh, um, landing on the invasion of Europe at, at uh, D-Day. And uh, his brothers had just all been killed, and so the uh, secretary of the army and the, the, chief, the chief of, Medi of, of the army um, military forces said, we don't want this woman to lose all of her sons. She's already lost three. We're going to get Private Ryan and we're going to get him back home so, so she has one son left. And so the whole story is about this platoon that is sent out to find him. 
And when they find him, they tell him, okay, we came to get you, so get your gear ready, we're going. And he said, I'm not leaving. And they end up in this intense discussion, this argument about him leaving or not, because his unit was charged with the mission to protect a bridge that was crucial to the Allied advance. And so he's not going to abandon his unit. He's going to fulfill his mission. He's in there arguing about this. And then the lieutenant who had been sent to bring him back, the officer, said, well, what are, you, what are we supposed to tell your mother? And at that point, Private Ryan said, tell her that I stayed with the only brothers I have left. He said, she'll understand that. And so he stayed. They all stayed and defended that bridge. But... Um, and this all came to me earlier in the week. I knew that fit somehow. I didn't know how it fit till this morning. And for me, that's just how messages come. I, I can prepare it two weeks ahead, but the day before I give it, it's going to shuffle all around and new insights are going to come. But it, it, here's what I saw. He had a mission. And there were people there trying to distract Private Ryan from his mission. And in kind of an oblique way... Even his mother was involved in that, although from what he said about her, she might not have, she might not have tried to directly to, you know, persuade him to come home. But the mission that we're on, the mission that you have, the mission that I have, the mission that Jesus came with, because Jesus said, my father sent me, and he said, I only say the things my father tells me to say, because I'm on his mission. He gave me a mission. And I only do the things he shows me to do because I'm on his mission, not my own. And then he said later, he said, even as I was sent, I'm sending you. And so if you're a follower of Christ, then Jesus has given you a mission just like his. Because you're being sent by him into the world, empowered by him to complete that mission. And the thing that we have to do is to guard the mission. We have to be careful that we are not distracted from the mission because it's very easy to be distracted, isn't it? It's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to question, did God really call me to do this? Was it really a, you know, do I have the time? Do I have the energy? It's, it doesn't seem to be working. I mean, on and on and on it can go. But in, in this passage we're going to look at, Jesus is on mission, and there's some family of his that comes to him, and, and, and they're, trying to, they're trying to pull him off mission. They're trying to distract him from his mission. Let me read it to you. This is in Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. It says this. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, it's an extension of Jordan's message from last week. But Jesus is still talking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
And so I, I say they were there to distract him because of other places in the New Testament. There was a place in Mark 3 where something very similar happens. It kind of gives us a deeper insight into the background of what was happening here, where it says, then Jesus entered a house. And this is in Mark 3, 20 and 21. It's not going to be on the screen. Uh, the, uh, but then Jan Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Okay, they're thinking, th this kid has lost it. He, you know, the, the brothers are saying, hey, our big brother Jesus, something's going on with him, and it's not good. He's lost his mind. And somehow they persuade Mary, in spite of the revelations that she's had, in spite of the memory she has of the angels appearing to her, telling her about the birth of Jesus and the virgin birth itself, and the prophetic words that she's received. In spite of all of that, her other sons have been able to persuade her to come with them and help them get Jesus. And, and whatever he's doing is nutty. And we've got to get him out of this. And so they're, they're there. And in this case, uh, his brothers didn't believe in him till after the resurrection. And so when they're coming now in, in Matthew 12, they're unbelievers, these brothers. And, and it could, and, and it mystifies me about Mary, but I think she could just be, she could just be going with her sons, just thinking, okay, if you're going to go try to pull him away, I'm going to go with you because I don't want to let this thing get out of hand. I don't know what she was thinking. But when they came, Jesus very clearly makes this statement about the importance of other believers in his life and in our lives. And so one of the basic thoughts I have from this passage is this. One of the most compelling things that can happen to lead us or to knock us off mission and off course come, can come from family or close friends. I would put the two in, in, in close proximity. Family and close friends can very easily draw us aside. Now, I was very fortunate when I got saved. Uh, my father had grown up in a Christian home. Had a God, I had a godly grandmother and on, on both sides of the family, my, my grandparents were believers. So my mother and my father were very supportive of me. But I knew, fr I had friends that came to Christ whose family was very resistant to the decision they had made and trying to pull them away. And one of the most, so one of the most compelling things that can happen is to have family disapprove. And Jesus is giving us a pattern here on how to respond to that. And, and I think we're going to look a little deeper than just the words he has here and, and try to ask ourselves what was really happening, what was really going on. But, you know, in another place, Jesus' brothers said to him, this was the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Jews had made the, the decision to kill him. And so Jesus knew he couldn't go to Jerusalem publicly, but his brothers mocked him. And, and it says that they said to him, well, listen, why don't you go to Jerusalem, make a big show of yourself, show all your disciples all the wonderful miracles you can do, because why would you want to hide them? And, and it says right there in John 7, they said this because they didn't believe, they didn't believe in him. 
And so they're mocking him when they say that. And in that case, I could say right there, that might be a place where it would be easy to be triggered, wouldn't it? And to think, what? Who do you think you are trying to tell me this? Do you not know? You think I'm your brother. I'm more than your brother. I'm the son of God. I mean, it would be easy to, to, to you know, take umbrage at that. Jesus didn't. He did, he did clarify for them mission. He said, listen, it's easy for you guys to go. He says, it's not easy for me. My time has not come, and it's not, for, it's not the time for me to go into Jerusalem and, and make a you know, big show of it, which was what happened when he went in on the triumphal entry. And you know the results of that. That was what led to his actual crucifixion. And so he said, he said my hour hasn't come. But the point is, his brothers were strongly trying to resist him from actually um, fulfilling the mission that God had given him because they didn't believe in him or the mission. Now, in effect, what Jesus is showing us to do is how to disengage ourselves from the emotional entanglement that we can easily have with our families. It's very easy to have like this emotional thing with people that we're really close to where the thought of displeasing them makes me a little bit sick to my stomach. Where the thought of disagreeing with them makes me feel kind of, you know, re really feel fearful and anxious. And in, in, it's so easy. I mean, it's so easy for that to happen. I don't know if you've, I've experienced that. And, 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 and not wanting to upset the apple cart with these people that are close to me, close friends. I had close friends that told me when I got saved, one, one explained to me that life is like walking down the top of a wall. And you have about six or eight inches to keep your balance and stay on. And you don't want to fall over one way, which would be falling off into drugs and stuff like that, which is what we were all, I, I just got saved from. But you don't want to fall off the other way into, into extremes. And he said, you fell off the wall, Van, on this side of religion. And, I, you know, I could have been defensive over that. Uh, it, but the thing that could have happened was, and what can easily happen is, it can set us back in the clarity with which we pursue our mission because I don't want my friends to think I'm crazy. You know, I don't want my family to think that I'm, I'm losing it. I don't want that. And I don't want them to be upset. And so what those are called are codependent relationships. That's the new psychological language for it. But it's been happening for centuries where if my mother's upset, I'm upset. If my mother's happy, I'm happy. If my dad's upset, I'm upset. If my dad's happy, I'm happy. And, and I can't conceive of doing anything that would upset them or hurt them or that they could take as hurt. And that's called codependent. And what we have to do is we have to be able to be so secure and in our mission that we can respond to people that try to draw us off mission, whether it's in this case family or close friends, that we can respond to them without without anger, without resentment, without like argument or trying to, trying to prove anything. It's very easy to think, well, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. So yeah, let's go out and get drunk tonight. I'll show you I'm not crazy. I'll show you that I'm still a regular guy or, or anything like that. It's very easy for that type of thing to happen. And, and that, that's kind of a, an extreme illustration, but 
it, it, um, it, it does illustrate my point that we don't want to try to prove ourselves to them or to prove that what they're saying is wrong. What we have to do is just be like Jesus and kind of say, okay, go ahead if that's what you want to do, but um, I'm not going that direction. If they're trying to draw us into some direction to do something that we know God doesn't want us to do, or if they're trying to shame us into releasing, being less, less clear about the mission God's given us. And I remember one time a church, oh, not this church, but a church I was pastoring after we began to believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And if you don't know our story, I spent uh, 20 years as a fundamentalist and cessationist, which means I did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And then God changed my theology in 1993. In 1994, we made some changes uh, that had a radical impact on our lives. And uh, then... Here, then in 1999, I'm at this other church, and they wanted me to stop talking about the fact that God speaks today. And uh, one of the guys that was most vehemently against me talking about God speaking today, I went out to lunch with. And I said, look, I said, I believed exactly what you believed for 20 years. And God showed me that that was wrong. And I paid a high price for that. And, and I don't regret it one minute, one minute but without being unkind or harsh or anything, I just said, uh, you know, look at my life and look where I am. What do you expect me to do? What do you expect me to do? Do you expect me to back off on this now? Is that what you think? And, and we need to be able to respond without anxiety. You know, to have a non-anxious presence. And especially when it comes to family or close friends that are resistant to the, to the fact that we're following Jesus now. And so that's what Jesus is showing us here. And you know, for instance, let's say this, you're a new, newly married couple and you're either going, every time you go home with your new spouse or maybe you just connect with old friends, they disrespect your spouse. They, they do little things, like maybe they don't call them by their first name, or they say things that they know, you know, are, you know, kind of excluding them. How do you handle that? Do you say to, the codependent thing would be to say to your spouse, honey, just don't, you know, don't cause a fuss. We'll be leaving here in a few days, just don't cause, don't, don't make any fuss over this. And it would say that because... I don't want any way, shape, or form for my mother to feel bad. Because if she feels bad, I feel bad. That's where my, my emotions are attached to hers. Or do you say, hey, honey, hold on. Tomorrow we're going to be alone with my mom and dad. And we're going to talk to them about this. We're just going to talk to them about it in a loving, kind way. Now, that would be the non-anxious way to do it, the loving way to do it, because the other way where I take up responsibility for someone else's emotions, do you know what I'm actually doing? I'm, I'm actually putting myself in the place of God in their life. It's God is the one that's supposed to help them manage their emotions, right? It's between them and God what they think and what they believe and the choices they make, not between them and me. And, and so if, if I'm putting myself in a respect kind of like in God's position, where does that leave God? God's up here, let's say, 
actually, you know, it's not really right to think of him being up, but just for the sake of, of clarity, you know, I'm putting myself between them and God right here. What I need to do, pull myself out, let them be responsible for their own emotions, let them be upset if they want to, let them, you know, say whatever they want to. And now that's between them and God, not between them and me. And now I can say to them in a non-anxious, loving way, I can say, hey, you know, really what you said, that really, that was, I found that kind of offensive and hurtful. And I wish you wouldn't talk that way to me. But if, if, if I'm concerned about their emotions so much, then I'm either, I, I, might, I might confront them, but when I do, it's going to be like this thing has boiled inside of me and then it overflows. And I'm, and I'm confronting them in an unkind, unloving way. And so Jesus is showing us here how to, how to you know, keep a calm heart, a calm spirit, and, and, and to honor and respect our parents and family members, but not to allow them to uh, actually control us. So the question would be, when Jesus said this, was, was he being disrespectful to his mother? When he said, who is my mother? Do you think Mary could have felt bad? I think she might have. I don't know. If, she, if they go out and say, hey, he, he said, who's my mother? I mean, that, 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 could, have, that could have made her, given her some anxiety, a little, a little bit of, of pain. But you remember in Luke 2, when uh, they went back to the temple and they found Jesus, he, you know, they left him there. He was just a kid and he stayed behind and they found him at the temple and he said, why are you searching for me? Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying. Then he went to Nazareth with, with them and was obedient to them. It literally says he submitted himself to them. He made the choice. He's a kid. He honored his mother and father by submitting himself to them. And so he, 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 he had a submissive respectful attitude. But now he's a grown man and <clears throat> Joseph is not in the picture, which would mean Joseph has died. And all, almost all biblical scholars would say by this time Joseph had died. That's why he's never mentioned in any of the stories uh, of Jesus interacting with his family, that Joseph was gone, which would mean Jesus was actually the head of the household now. And so he wasn't disrespecting Mary by doing that. In fact, at the cross, this is really significant. At the cross, when Jesus was at, uh, hanging on the cross, about to die, he sees his mother there, and he sees John, the apostle. And he says, mother, behold your son. And he said, son, behold your mother. And what he did by that, as the head of the household, he said, if I'm leaving, I'm not committing my mother's care to my unbelieving brothers. I'm committing my mother into the care of this disciple of mine who is a believer. And that's very significant because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew there was persecution and hardship coming for any followers of his. I mean, it's, it's only a couple you know, days until they're all huddled together in an upper room with the doors locked because they're afraid of the Jews. And, and so Jesus knew that, and he knew for Mary to survive that, she's going to have other believers around her. 
You know, her, her sons would have supported her. They probably would have all died for her. But they also would have been telling her, listen, this stuff about the resurrection, you can't believe that. Come on, be real. They would not have been encouraging her faith. And so rather than put his mother in a position where her faith would be degraded by the people around her or made, made it hard for her to believe because of the people around her, he puts her under the care of John the Apostle who would, would strengthen her faith. You see, there are times that even um, family, unbelieving family, or sometimes even believing family can't do for you what other believing other believers who understand the mission that you're on and are sharing that mission with you, they can do things in your life that even the closest family member who doesn't understand the mission can't do. And, and that's why we've got to have relationship with other people that aren't, aren't just people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and maybe they genuinely are, but they're not pressing into the mission. If they're not, then... When, when you say, I'm selling my car and going to the mission field or whatever it is you want to do, even Christians can get involved in resisting and, and trying to keep, keep us from, from moving ahead in the mission that God, Jesus is calling us to. So, um, and Wilson shared this passage yesterday. This, this, none of this is to degrade the value of family. I think the basic assumption here is we all love our families. We're all going to go home for Thanksgiving dinner or Sunday dinner or whatever it is. If you're close to your parents and they want to have you over, even weekly, they want to have you to get with them. He's not saying that's wrong or make that, that's unimportant. What he's simply saying is this other thing is really important. And, and, and he's not even saying it's just as important. He's saying it's honestly, it's more important. Because when it comes down to it, if my mother, I'm going to give my mother into the hands of some other Christians other, as opposed to giving, giving her over to my brothers who are unbelievers. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's just elevating the importance of being in relationship with other believers. And the whole thing is a statement on uh, allowing other people's emotions for them to be responsible to God for what, how they're going to respond as long as I know I'm responding in a non-anxious, loving, kind, compassionate way, but being definite, even if I know that definite mission that God's called me to and stating it is going to hurt the family or friends that are close to me. If that hurts them, then I, I put them in God's hands and I pray for them. But um, Jesus is saying we need to be freed of that in order to really pursue the mission that he has for us. And that's what Jesus himself did. Uh, he was freed of that. And, and, and here's one illustration that, um, that shows that family can't always do for you, even believing family, what the body of Christ can do. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, uh, Jesus raised this guy Lazarus from the dead. He had two sisters who were disciples. They were believers in Jesus. And, and Jesus, he died, they buried him, four days dead, and Jesus called him back to life. He came out of the tomb with his grave clothes still on. It's kind of a mystery how he did he do that. If, if he just, you know, shuffled out like this, I don't know, because his legs would have been wrapped, his whole body would have been wrapped in these grave clothes. And he said, take those grave clothes off him. What do you think were under the grave clothes? 
Nothing. Okay? He didn't say, Mary, Martha, get up there and undress your brother. No, it, it, the only thing that could have happened would have been a group of believing men would have gathered around Lazarus and they would have taken those grave clothes off him and they would have shielded his nakedness from anybody in that big crowd from being seen and then one of them would have given them his cloak to cover his body with. And so even, the, even other believers like Mary and Martha could not do in that case for Lazarus his very own sisters couldn't do for him what the body of Christ could do for him. And, and so it, the, 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 um, the whole thing is not to say ignore family. It isn't. We love our families. Of course we do. We should and we will. We'll go on doing that. But, but it's just to recognize that, that Jesus values us not just sitting beside other people, Christians, in a church service, but actually being engaged in some way in a deeper pattern of life with other believers that enables us to draw life from them, that we'll get life from them. And so uh, I hope this is helpful to you. I just want to pray. Would you stand with me? And anyone on the prayer team can make their way down to the front right now. And I just want to say, Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. I pray, Father, wherever resistance might come from, you would give us gracious, kind hearts, non-anxious hearts, and the ability to uh, respond with love and compassion and care and kindness, but at the same time, not to take up responsibility for other people's reactions to us or their emotional uh, reaction to us, even in the case of the closest familial ties of mother, father, brother, sister, or even best friend, Lord. We pray that you would give us, give us grace to believe you, to trust you with all of their lives, and to walk in freedom in Jesus, to pursue his mission for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, great to see you. If, you, if you'd like prayer for anything, if any of this really resonates with you or something else you'd like prayer for, make your way down. We'd love to pray for you. Hey, it's great to see you all here today. Thanks so much for coming.